Welcome to the Embrace Church podcast. To learn more about who we are as a church, check out imembrace.com. Enjoy today's message. Hey, Embrace, I hope everyone's doing all right so far today. My name is Adam. I'm one of the pastors here at all of our campuses, all of our network churches, to each and every one of you with us online. We are overjoyed that you've decided to come. We don't take it lightly. Instead, we've been praying that you specifically would join us to worship with us today here. And I pray just overall that God will come and speak to every single one of us in a way that we would leave knowing that we heard from God specifically directly to us. Uh, Before I get started, I wanna share uh, two things. And the first is a heavier thing. Oof. It's also a personal thing. Uh, over the years, I've had the incredible honor of being led into so many of your lives, which I, I do not take for granted, both on wonderful days that you've been through and also horrible days that you've been through. And so today, I want to do the same uh, with all of you. Uh, this past Wednesday, my oldest brother, Hugh, uh, unexpectedly passed away. Uh, and it's been horrible. hardest phone call I've ever had to make in my entire life is to call my parents and let them know. On the flip side, though, uh, there's no place that I'd rather be today than right here. I'm so grateful for the messages, the, the notes, the kind words, the prayers from all of you. I just truly love this church. Uh, two favors with this. If you would, Please be praying for my brother Hugh's wife, Amy, along with her two kids, Emerson and Finn, uh, along with my mom and dad who are struggling. And also just our entire family as we celebrate my brother's life this coming week. Uh, The the second favor, uh, friends, hug the people you love. Learn to say words like, I'm sorry, forgive me. and, And I love you and say it often, okay? So that's the first thing. I'm going to keep moving ahead because we could stay here all day. Uh, The second thing is a great thing to share. I'm totally turning the corner here. The second thing is a great thing to share. Next Sunday, I'm going to be doing a one-week message series called Next. And we're just going to, we're during it. We're just going to take some time to stop and celebrate what God is doing and also to stop and celebrate what God has already done. All throughout scripture, it talks about the importance of stopping and remembering, stopping and celebrating the faithfulness of God. And so we're just going to do just, we're going to do that. Also, though, we're going to be sharing some exciting things about the direction that we're headed as a church and where we are going. Seriously, this, this week in particular, I was reminded that what we do, it matters so much. It's why I'm here. Honestly, I can't think of anything more important than pointing people to the hope, the joy, the love, the wholeness, the redemption found in Jesus. And so again, that's why I'm here. And next week, I think it's just going to be an awesome weekend as we share about all that God is doing. And so definitely come back next week, okay? Today, though, we are in the fifth and final week in our series going through the book of Esther. And I just have so many hopes with this series. Like for those of you who are new to God, new to the Bible, I pray this series has given you the courage to open up the Bible and to start reading this book on your own. And then on the flip side, for those of you who've been following Jesus for years, and maybe internally, you even have thought to yourself, I know the Bible inside and out, that's not true. I pray that the series has lit a fire in 
your soul, that, it, that it's stirred something in you, that it's, it's brought God's word back to life. And then for all of us, I pray this series has encouraged us, but I also pray this series has convicted us, that it's challenged us, that it's changed us, that it's inspired us. For me personally, this book of Esther has reminded me once again that following God is anything but safe and easy. And also God wants to do great things in and through us. He wants to do great things in and through you, but not just for the benefit of yourself, but instead for the good and the benefit of others. And most importantly, for the good and benefit and glory of God himself. Okay, so as quickly as I can, I'm going to try and sum up the, the story of Esther and where we've been so far. First off, there's this king named King Xerxes, and he goes looking for a new queen. And to do so, he does this empire-wide search. And out of all the women in his entire empire, he ends up picking this beautiful young Jewish girl named Esther. And Esther, she is awesome. She is a woman, a person, a leader of integrity, a person, a woman, a leader of character. But there's also a, a villain in this story. And the villain in this story is named Haman. And Haman is the king's right-hand man. And to put it lightly and to put it as nicely as I can, he is a terrible person. He's an egomaniac. He, he's emotionally unstable and he's a control freak. And, and Haman absolutely hates, he detests Esther's cousin, a guy named Mordecai. And why does he hate him? Well, there's several reasons, but overall he hates Mordecai because Mordecai is Jewish and Haman, he hates the Jews. Well, get this, Haman hates Mordecai so much that he decides that he's not just gonna kill Mordecai, but instead, Haman decides he's going to try to convince the king to kill all of the Jews, not just one of them, but all of them. Well, needless to say, Mordecai and Esther are both devastated. They're crushed. Get this, though. Up to this point, Esther, again, the king's wife, has not told the king that she herself is Jewish. And so Mordecai tells Esther, you've become the queen for such a time as this. And you need to go to your husband, the king, and you need to re reveal to him who you really are, that you're a Jew. And then you need to ask him to save all of our people. And so Esther, she invites the king and also Haman to a special party where she's going to do just that. She invites them both over. And once there, the king says to Esther, Esther, what do you want? I'll do anything for you. I love you. I'll do, I'll do anything for you. Ask for half of my empire and I'll do it. Well, Esther responds and says, please, king, even though I'm Jewish, would you save my life? And not just my life. Again, it's for the benefit of others, not just my life, but would you say, save the lives of all my people too? Well, in response, the king is in utter shock. And he asked Esther, what? Who's trying to kill you and your people? And then Esther, she looks across the room and she points to Haman and she says, it's him. It's him. Immediately, the king is furious. I mean, this guy is trying to kill his, his, his own wife. And he's, he's so angry that he has Haman impaled. He has Haman killed on a pole out in public for everyone to see. And this right here, it brings us to where we are today, starting in chapter eight, verse one. Here is what we're told. That same day, King Xerxes gave Queen Esther the estate of Haman, the enemy of the Jews. And Mordecai came into the presence of the king for Esther had told how he was related to her. The king took off his signet ring, which he had reclaimed from Haman. He had given it to Haman. He reclaimed his ring and presented it to Mordecai and Esther appointed him over Haman's 
estate. Seriously, everything that was given over to Haman, all the power, all the honor, even his ring is now being given over to Mordecai. Continuing on in verse three, Esther again pleaded with the king, falling at his feet and weeping. She begged him to put an end to the evil plan of Haman the Agagite, which he had devised against the Jews. Then the king extended the gold scepter to Esther and she arose and stood before him. If it pleases the king, Esther said, and if he regards me with favor and thinks it is the right thing to do, and if he is pleased with me, let an order be written overruling the dispatches that Haman the Agagite devised and wrote to destroy the Jews. Again, Esther is asking the king to overturn this edict to save her people, the Jews. And then in verse 11, we're told this. The king's edict granted the Jews in every city the right to assemble and gather and protect themselves to destroy, kill, and annihilate the armed men of any nationality or province who might attack them and their women and children and to plunder the property of their enemies. So friends, all this happens. And then on the 13th day of the 12th month, the month of Adar, which by the way, is a very, very, very important date for us to remember on this very specific day, all the enemies of the Jews that came out to attack the Jews, trying to kill them. But now because of the king's new law, the Jews are able to gather, they're able to assemble and protect themselves. Well, they end up having this, this bloody battle against each other. Even all of Haman's sons, they, they all come out trying to kill as many Jews as they can. But in the end, the Jews, they prevailed and they were not destroyed. Instead, they live. And Mordecai is raised up and he becomes the king's new right-hand man. And, and Esther, well, Esther, she is the star. She's the star And she ends up saving the lives of all the Jews. Okay, so this wraps up our story. But now I wanna go back to where we started at the very, very, very beginning of this series. The book of Esther is a powerful, powerful story, right? And it's a book that's filled with twists and turns and revenge and there's glitz and there's glamour and there's drama and there's so much drama that it's easy to miss the fact that something is missing from this book. Or more accurately, it's easy to miss the fact that someone is missing from that book, this book. And who is that someone? It's God. It's God. Esther is one of only two books in the Bible where we don't see the name of God mentioned anywhere. Like not even once. I mean, it's almost as if God's not there at all. With this, just ask the question, has your life ever felt like the book of Esther? Has it ever felt in your life like God was missing? He wasn't present. Like through the ups and downs, the twists and turns, not in someone else's life, but in your life, it seemed as though God was not there. I'm just guessing if some of us were honest, we'd say whether we grew up in the church or not, it's just always felt like God wasn't there. Or maybe there was a specific event that comes to mind for you. You walked through your divorce and it felt like God wasn't there. You lost someone you love and it felt like God wasn't there. You're stuck in a dead end job and it's the same thing day after day after day. And it just feels as if God's not there. And it's just like, God, if you're so good, where the heck are you? 
God, if you're so good, why can't I hear your voice? If you're so good, why can't I feel your presence? If you're so good, why am I walking through this? Why is this happening? Ever felt this way? Ever thought this? Once again, going back to Esther, God isn't ever mentioned in this entire book, yet the truth is throughout this story, God is all over the place. He's not mentioned by name, but he is everywhere. And not just kind of, sort of, like he's not even hard to see. He's everywhere. He's all over the place. Honestly, in this story, where do we see God? Well, just think about it. Out of all the women in the entire empire, out of every woman, Esther's chosen. And because Esther's chosen and she's Jewish, she can help save the Jews. Seriously, for the Jews, right time, right place, right? And with Mordecai, like he just so happens to overhear two guys talking about killing the king. And because he just so happens to overhear this, he ends up saving the king's life. And because he saves the king's life, his name is written down in some book. And then the night before Haman is going to kill Mordecai, the king randomly can't sleep. And because the king randomly can't sleep, he ends up being read this book and he ends up hearing about and being reminded of the fact that Mordecai saved his life. Like, what are the chances? And 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 seriously, even the timing of when Esther throws her party. And that the fact that the king that he, the king even wants to hear what Esther has to say, remember, the king could have killed her for approaching him. Seriously, how lucky is Esther? Friends, I could go on and on and on about just the random dumb luck and chance and coincidences. And I just what I just can't even believe this happened all throughout the story. Yet in looking back, God might not be mentioned, but he was definitely moving. I can't see his name. It doesn't show up in the entire book. God might not be mentioned, but he was definitely without question moving. He was. Right now, my my small group is going through the book of Esther. We actually just wrapped it up last Tuesday night. Shout out to my small group. I, I love this group of people. They've become some of my closest friends. I love them. The other night, though, we were talking, and I said to the group, I think so often that we, we expect God to speak in some loud, booming voice. We just ex- expect that, that God is going to speak in a way that we can't miss him, and we just, we just want like an equation. like We just want proof that we can see and know God and that he's in our life and that he's moving and he's at work. We want this. We don't always get it, though. Then I just asked, and looking back at your life, are there certain things that you can't explain? Certain things that just don't add up. Certain things that just don't make any sense. That opportunity that you were given that you didn't deserve. Things that just seemed so lucky, like the, per- the timing was just so perfect. And you just so happen to meet that one specific person or someone opened a door for you. And to this day, you still don't know why they opened the door for you. 
And you had that job, you, you, you took that deal that just seemed totally meaningless. You ended up meeting someone that was so critical for you to meet and that one random thing, that one random conversation, that one random event, it took place and that one random thing ended up changing your life. Ended up becoming one of the most important things. Again, and looking back, are there certain things that you just can't explain? You just can't. In my life, there, there are so many different things that come to mind. For spring break of my junior year of, of college, and by the way, this is, this is true, okay? Just before I sh- share with this, some of you are like, I think I need to find a different church after this. Uh, spring break my junior year of college, me and two friends, we were gonna buy an old rundown car. We were gonna drive it to California, ditch the car, and then see who could hitchhike back fastest to South Dakota. I don't wanna brag, Best idea ever. (laughs) So we're, I'll never forget it. We were in downtown Sioux Falls back when downtown Sioux Falls was a shady dump. And that's being very generous with words. Begging a guy to sell us his 1983 Chevy Cavalier station wagon. Okay. We're begging him. I'm begging him. The guy wanted $350, but we only had $200. Begged him, begged him. If that guy's hearing my voice right now, Greedy, okay. <laughs> God changed his heart. You can forgive everybody. Maybe not this guy, but everybody else. <laughs> so we're begging him. We did a test drive. It didn't shift. I'm like, sir, it's not even worth $200. <laughs> so we're, we weren't able to go. So instead of, of, of going on this awesome trip, I ended up going home for spring break. Hashtag lamest spring break ever. And I went to church on Sunday. My pastor came up to me and he said, I thought you were supposed to be gone. And I was like, that's just rude. Like, why are you rubbing salt in my wounds? I thought I was supposed to be gone on the best spring break trip ever. And he said, craziest thing. Last night, my brother called me and he's looking for someone to fill in for him as a pastor up in Wapaton, North Dakota. Well, I told my pastor right back. I said, actually, I'm not interested in being a youth pastor. And also I need to get an internship in the marketing world. Otherwise I'm not gonna get a job after I finish my business degree. And he said back, my brother's not the youth pastor. He's the pastor. And I think you should consider it. I told him no, after the service, he came and found me. He said, I promised my brother that I would give his information to you. Later that day, that exact same day, I'd already planned to drive up and see my brother, Luke, who lived in Fargo, North Dakota at the time. At this point in my life, I hadn't been to Fargo, North Dakota in probably 15, 20 years. I'll never forget it though, driving on the interstate when I crossed paths with that exit sign for Wapiton, North Dakota. Time I got to Fargo, the conviction inside of me, I mean, it was like I was bouncing off the walls. I was feeling so convicted. I, I, I called the pastor and pastor answered and right away said, I've been expecting your call. And I'm like, that's crazy because I wasn't going to call you. And I still can't believe I'm calling you right now. Long story short, I ended up filling in for that pastor the next summer. And within the first week, I knew I was supposed to be a pastor. I fought it for 20 years, but I just know without question, I'm supposed to be a pastor. Also, the pastor I filled in for, I ended up marrying his daughter. All week long, I've been thinking about this. It's crazy to think that I might not be a pastor right now. And would I even be married to my wife who attended UND if that guy would have just taken $200 for his crappy 1983 Chevy crappy station wagon? 
And not just that though, friends, seriously, there were so many little different things that had to happen. No kidding. I was just so lucky. I was just so lucky. Just to ask the same question to you and looking back at your life, are there certain things that you just can't explain? You just can't explain. What are the chances? The coincidences? I just still can't believe it. I mean, it just randomly by luck happened. Even the hard things that have deeply shaped you, certain things where it's just like, what? Friends, don't miss this. When you take a step back and you look at the book of Esther as a whole, what this book of Esther is trying to teach us is this. There's no such thing as chance, luck, or happenstance. It's the hand of God. Again, this entire book, the message that it's trying to declare, the message it's trying to teach us and overwhelm us with in the best way possible is there's no such thing. It doesn't exist. There's no such thing as chance, luck, or happenstance. It's all the hand of God. No kidding. If when looking back at your life, if you pay attention, you maybe haven't heard his audible voice, but you cannot miss his hand at work. And I'll say it for us, you and I, we give luck way too much credit and we don't give God enough. And so instead of constantly asking, even in weeks like I've had, instead of constantly asking, God, where are you? We need to start praying, God, help me to see you. Instead of where are you, God, would you give me eyes to see because I know that you are constantly, you are always at work. Now, just to be so clear on something, and maybe I'm not the only one who needs to hear this, there will be plenty of times where we do not understand the hand of God. Times when we're confused. Times when we're angry. Times when we're broken. Friends, I've been at this place all week long myself. Hear this though. Death and evil are never God's desire. It's just the opposite. God's desire is life and not just life, but abundant life. But in this fallen world, there's sin and there's death. Thankfully though, God can still use it all, even the worst for good. Listen to this. His good hand is directing all things towards good purposes. It's true. In the same breath, though, in the hard moments, it's really, really difficult to see. Yet, I have no doubt that someday for you, and even this week, someday for my family, and maybe that someday is on the other side of eternity, we'll look back and see that even through all the pain and hardship and loss and grief and suffering in life, that God was always, always working for good. There's no such thing as chance, luck, or happenstance. It's the hand of God. One last thing about Esther. This is the smallest detail. If you remember back a few weeks, back in chapter three, Haman rolled something called a purr. 
It's basically a dice. Think like Yahtzee. He rolled a dice to determine what specific day the Jews would all be killed. And what was the specific day that was picked? Well, it's the 13th day of the 12th month. The month of Adar. I said that date earlier, right? Do you remember what happened on that specific day? Turns out it was not the day that the Jews were all killed. Instead, it's the very day that the Jews ended up winning the battle and they were saved. Don't miss this. On this one very specific day, instead of it being an awful day, it turns out it became a day of celebration. To all the Jews, instead of it being a day where God appeared and it seemed to be totally absent, it was actually the day that God came through and provided for them the most. He showed up. Again, this evil man, Haman, he rolled a dice that was called a purr, and it seemed like luck. It seemed like chance, but from this event, the Jews, they created something called the Festival of Purim. Listen, listen, listen to this. Therefore, therefore, these days were called Purim, which means purr, the, the dice. These days should be remembered and observed and celebrated when in every generation by every family and every providence and every city, everyone for all time. And these days of Purim should never fail to be celebrated by the Jews. Friends, to this day, Jews still celebrate this festival of Purim. It actually just took place a little over a week ago. And why do they celebrate this festival of Purim? To remind themselves there's no such thing. It doesn't exist as chance, luck, or happenstance. It's all the hand of God. I don't care if it's dice in the hands of an evil man and it seems like chance, luck, or happenstance. It's all it's all the hand of God. It is. And friends, this is true for Esther. It's true for the Jews. And it's also true for all of you. This week it's been true for my family. If you're anything like myself, you get in these places where you're just like, God, I wish you were here. Thing I've been saying all week, God, this doesn't seem real. Where are you? What's your plan? Where are you at? But even in the worst, when you when you when you take a look around. And you start paying attention. It's impossible to miss God's hand at work. Once again, there's no such thing as chance, luck, or happenstance. It's all the hand of God. And this has been true in the past. And it's also true right now today. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'd love to have you join us in person at one of our locations. You can find out more at IamEmbrace.com.